All right, well, with that, we'll go ahead and uh, get into what I want to talk about. And what I want to talk about today is something that I think is very important and of which, obviously, sometimes it becomes quite apparent that in due course, we in the church take this for granted. I want to share with you a letter, just a portion of it, with respect to an individual who was opining about what I want to talk about. I'll let him essentially introduce the subject to to all of us today. He states this, I'm struggling every day because many verses in the Scripture, uh, I don't understand the meaning. I'd love to find a place. Here's what I want you to focus on. I'd love to find, he's opining, because he doesn't understand the Scriptures like he'd like to. I'd love to find, he says, a place where I could talk with people face to face and go to worship Yahweh. I am really lonely in all my research for the truth and trying to be born again. What church should I be attending to have brothers and sisters to talk to? I go to a Catholic church. Right now, but it doesn't feel right. <laughs> I'm not getting anywhere with them. <laughs> and I, I bring this excerpt up from his letter. Uh, he wrote some other things too, but this is what's pertinent to what I want to talk about today to all of us, in that so often we who do have congregations to meet with many times take them for granted. I don't feel like going. I'm going to watch it on the internet. Um, it's raining. It's up here in northern Ohio, northern eastern Ohio, it's snowing. Got to get in that cold car, start it up. I don't want to do that. I think I'll just, I'll catch it on the rebound. It'll, they'll post it. <laughs> Maybe I'll see it on somebody's Facebook. Or I know what, I'll call so-and-so and see what they talked about, depending on how interested you really are. And I'll just get my little overview of things. Here in Acts chapter 2, I want to contrast sometimes the things that go through our mind today, of which familiarity, familiarity, unfortunately, does have sometimes the effect of dousing sometimes our enthusiasm toward committing to something because we're familiar with it. It's going to always be there. Oh, dad will always bring that paycheck in. Oh, mom will always be home. Boy, is that unpolitically correct. (laughs) But you know what I'm saying. People, even in family relationships, uh, whether they be uh, uh, children to parents or parents to children to parents to parents, uh, husband to wife, tend to, over a period of time, because they get into routines, they get into the, as they would say, long-term adjustment of the race of life, and first thing you know, it's just, eh, it'll always be that way. I can count on it. It's like clockwork, you know. And, often, and oftentimes, we might even find ourselves not even saying, I love you, honey, or I love you, sweetheart, or maybe, uh, you know... Um, just even talking and being affectionate because you begin to take things for granted. And you could overlay that on anything. 
doesn't have to just be relationships. But getting back to our subject in Acts chapter 2 specifically, with regards to this subject about church congregations and the desire to have uh, something close, a place where you could go face to face and talk eyeball to eyeball with people of mutual belief, of mutual understanding, of mutual concerns, people that really understand what you're going through. And having opportunity, because you're there on a regular basis, develop relationships that have value whereby, over time, you learn certain ones you can trust or that you get along with. Because let's face it, there's people that we get along with better than other people. It's just the way life is. I, I could have an affinity more with somebody than maybe other people, you know. So as a result, I, I gravitate toward him more rather than her more or him more because I'm just more comfortable with you. But that's life. But the fact of it is we can't even figure that out if we're not in regular connection with each other. Here in the book of Acts, interestingly enough, we find this event, which was Pentecost. Many of you are well aware of it. In Acts 2, that's the context. Peter just got done, I mean, speaking uh, his first sermon, a blistering sermon, resulted in them saying, well, what should we do? And Peter says, get baptized, get the Holy Spirit. Verse 40 now, picking up the, the theme. When many other words he did testify, exhorting, saying, save yourselves. This is Peter talking, and it's being summarized by uh, the writer of Acts. And he's saying here, uh, save yourselves from this untoward generation. 41 now, Acts 2. Then they gladly received the word, were baptized. The same day, about 3,000 people were baptized in one day. 3,000. Wow. Can you imagine the energy? that that exhibited and, and that was experienced there by all of these people. And it goes on, verse 42, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in the breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon them, uh, every soul. Many wondered, and wonders and signs were done by the apostles and all that believed were together, had all things common, sold their possessions and goods, parted them to all men as every man had need, and they continued daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread house to house, ate their meat with gladness, singleness of heart, praising God, having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. They didn't even have places to meet. They were still meeting in the temple. Then they would go to houses and meet fellowship with each other in their homes. And they were all so excited. People who had needs, they saw those needs and they gave accordingly so that all could be helped. Unfortunately, a lot of people extrapolate this and try to use that to justify communism and socialism. That's not what that's about. That's not what that's about. The fact of it is, it was about the enthusiasm, the sense of dedication, commitment, and all of the things that were going on that made these people excited about being together and about rallying around the purpose of what those events and Peter's speaking and all the things that were, went on that were shared that day on Pentecost that these individuals experienced. Here in Hebrews, and certainly many of you would have anticipated me going here at the, on, at the uh, outset here, is very appropriate. In the book of Hebrews, the writer in chapter 10 states this in verse 23. 
And in passing, even in my opening comments with the announcements that I was uh, talking about, illustrates, uh, especially in light of the day and age that we're living in, brethren, you're going against the current, without a doubt. You're kicking against the trends of pop culture. If you care about your children, if you care about your own mind, if you care about your own feelings, if you care about your own understanding, the way you comprehend reality, your own outlook in life, if you care about those things, then you know you're experiencing tension. You're experiencing pressure. Why? Because there are temptations all around you that constantly are vying for your attention, your participation, and ultimately, hopefully, because there's a spirit world we're dealing with, we're not against flesh and blood. Remember Ephesians 5? We're fighting spirits in high places. Eventually, the objective, don't kid yourself, not one moment, to your demise, because there is nothing more than these demons want, Satan being the kingpin, than you to be disqualified from this pursuit you're involved with, this mission that you're experiencing that God has called you to, to be a part of his kingdom. And so it becomes imperative. It becomes mandated that all of us, and I think sometimes in all due respect uh, for so many of us throughout God's church, wherever we may be, in whatever country. It's just not here in North America, and I include Canada as well, because we're certainly heavily distracted by virtue of all of the things <laughs> we can distract ourselves with that uh, this scripture that I'm about to read applies, because it does apply to so many of us in God's church, no matter where we are on this globe. Here in chapter 10 and in verse 23, I break into the context. Let us hold fast, the writer states. The profession of our faith, and that implies, that, that uh, is certainly an underscoring implication with strong innuendo, that this is a vocation, a way of life, something that you are constantly cognizant of, doing your best to hold yourself in restraint, capturing all your thoughts unto Jesus Christ and living a life that will glorify God in you 24-7, 24-7. So it's a profession, and it is, as pointed out here in verse 23, of our faith without wavering, for he's faithful that promised. And let us consider, let us consider one another. And it says here, to provoke, and that Greek word means to encourage not to criticize and say, oh, you dummy, how did you ever do that? Why, you ought to be out of the church. What are you here for, you know? And criticize and ridicule one. No, 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 no. You don't provoke in the sense of trying to anger your brother or your sister. You encourage them. What is all this about? That is fellowship groups. What are congregations for? But to develop relationships, to develop camaraderie, to develop friendships, we're going to talk about that here in a moment because that's key to a healthy fellowship. And when I say fellowship, I mean congregation, church group, whatever. What's healthy? What is healthy to a congregation that is in good standing, where an environment when people come in and visit, they feel a sense of, of uh, you know, just 
peace and unity and, and comfort. What underscores that is friendship. You go into a congregation where there's a lot of friendships involved with the people there, you can feel it. If you're an outsider, you can feel it. Because you know why? Because all of those friends who are friends with one another invoke others to be friends with them. Because they know, we're gonna, I'm getting ahead of myself here a little bit, but they know the scripture in Proverbs where it says, as we were taught in Spokesman's Club many, many moons ago, you want to you have friends? Show yourself friendly. Show yourself friendly. Always be engaging, reaching out, introducing yourself, finding out who they are, where they are. Show interest in them, not about you. You know, don't engage people just so you can talk about yourself. <laughs> a lot of people do that, by the way. <laughs> but the, the fact of it is, is that we should be engaging in that regard. And it says here why, and I'm getting to that here in a moment. Uh, he, he says here in verse 24, let me reiterate, and let us consider one another to provoke, encourage, that is, unto love, that is agape, unto affection. That's, you know, that, that's important. Invoke, encourage, to affection. To have a connection, that's what that's talking about, where there's a genuine concern toward each other. And that's always a challenge to do as we as human beings have a tendency and proclivity to be self-interested as opposed to outgoing. He says here, unto love and to good works. Verse 25 now, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting, that means to invoke, to comfort. The Greek word means to pray, to uh, go ahead and uh, uh, implore one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. And why is that? Because as we go forward, if you haven't already noticed the trending going on around us over the last decade or the last two decades, and you draw your, your timelines to see how things are progressing or regressing, the fact of it is things are becoming more confused, more accepted. What was wrong now is considered right. Things that were considered without question are now being questioned. And obviously, some things have been turned inside out and, to be polite about it, upside down. And you know what? For those who are standing firm, anchored in these particular mores, what you're seeing around you as the world departs from your position becomes much more pressure to you to become part of the movement going that way. And you feel it. It's all around you. It's going to become more intense. That's why when you come into Sabbath services, you ought to be able to exhale. Shouldn't you? You ought to be able to exhale. When I'm in church services, I ought to be able to trust everybody in this room. If I carried a purse, I ought to be able to leave my purse on my chair <laughs> without the fear of somebody taking my wallet out of it or even a pencil from it. I mean, that's just the way it should be. If I leave my Bible on the chair, I would expect this thing that's been with me for almost 40 years and is, uh, you know, very important to me. It's my workbook. 
that you would take as much care about it knowing that it was my Bible or even knowing it was just the Bible and you look at it and say, oh man, this, this probably means something to somebody and maybe even carry it around with you to make sure it doesn't get knocked off the chair and on the floor and kicked around, you know, because you're concerned about others as much as you're concerned about yourself. These are principles that we should be learning and certainly principles that are toward the development of this idea of friendship. Notice what Jesus says over here in John chapter 15. John chapter 15, Jesus very clearly states the fact that he is our friend. In verse 12, he says, this is my commandment, John 15, verse 12, this is my commandment that you love one another as I've loved you. Greater love agape, greater affection, greater affection, greater charity. Agape means sacrificial love. I'm willing to sacrifice for you even when it's inconvenient, even when I don't feel like it, even when I'm not up to it, and I'm thinking more about myself in the moment. Nevertheless, this love should motivate and compel me to overlook that and, as they say, man up, soldier on, and do the right thing for the sake of that person who's in more need than I at that time, you see. And Jesus says this, greater love, greater affection, greater sacrificial concern or, or charity, it's often uh, translated as well in 1 Corinthians 13, the same word is used as charity, has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends. If it's conditional, if you do whatsoever, I command you. Now, you can get outside of that friendship. God will never abandon you, of course. But the fact of it is, your friendship, needless to say, if you continue to cross your friends, obviously that doesn't really work toward developing a good friendship. If you're constantly betraying, constantly going against, constantly questioning, constantly going in opposition to. So what Jesus is saying, and the point's well taken, that look, if you want to develop a healthy friendship, then follow my commands. Verse 15, henceforth I call you not servants, for the servants know not what the Lord does, but I've called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you, uh, you have not chosen me, but I've chosen you. Isn't that something? That, that, that's in passing. Just let that resonate with you. You didn't choose Jesus. Jesus looked down and said, that's the person I want. And then you answered that ring. I've often said, and I think many of you would probably agree, that your phone was probably ringing a few times before you finally answered it. But the reality is that you answered it at least, and that's why you're here today. And that's a good thing. That's a real good thing. Just a point in passing. I chose you, ordained you, verse 16 here, John 15, that you should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain. Bring forth fruit, and your fruit should remain. Meaning in a couple of occasions, and you can make the case that if I introduce my congregation or this way of life or this outlook in life that I have to friends of mine, relatives of mine, that that fruit that I bear from my influence on them should also stay 
but then by the same token, we can also translate this, correlate it to characteristics, so that if indeed you're serious about developing a new personality and having all things new in you, and you're not the old selfish curmudgeon that you were before you were called, and you are making some progress, that that change should stay. But guess what? It's not going to stay if you don't keep at it, if you don't keep vigilant, if you don't keep pushing the envelope and allowing yourself to be purged by God for additional new things in you. And you know what is also part of that help that comes with the purging? Close friends. People you can call. People that you can talk to. Be yourself. Break down if you want, and you have to use judgment on this because not all people are capable of handling your burdens and their burdens. You be the subjective assessor on those things. But then that's what friendships are all about because you get to learn on, in, within those relationships on who and what can be handled by different individuals. You can't just go blurting out everything about you to somebody not knowing them. <laughs> You don't know how that's going to affect them. It, it may be, silly for me. <laughs> no. It's too much it's TMI, too much information. I'm not ready for all that. I, got, I have my own problems. You know? I can't handle that. And, and that so often can be the case. So you've got to use judgment. There's a word, very uh, useful word, that we all need to learn what it means, and that's prudence. And consequently, getting to know one another will certainly help us to know when to be able to do and take certain liberties with each other. He goes on here, and whatsoever, verse 16, the latter part, you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, that you love one another, he says. He goes on, if the world hates you, you know it hated me before it hated you. Oh, yeah, I, I mean, I've got some beliefs that, believe you me, when I go public, does not generate the most nice, nicey, nice comments. You know, there are things that you believe, quite frankly, that if you got into a head-to-head -head discussion with somebody who does not agree with those beliefs, you are not going to be probably viewed very positively. Yet, nevertheless, it's incumbent on all of us to stand firm, be anchored in the Word, and not be ashamed of Christ, lest we ourselves find Him being ashamed of us. So pray to God to give you opportunity to express the faith in you so that you might give reason for the hope that lies within you. That's scriptural, right? You remember those scriptures. You should pray to God. Give me opportunity to have, have a situation where I can give reason for the hope that's within me and touch somebody's mind, touch somebody's heart for the sake of the gospel and Jesus Christ's ministry. Verse 19, he says, If you were of the world, and the world, uh, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you, he reiterates, I chose you, you didn't choose me, I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Hebrews, back to Hebrews, chapter 2, real quick. Same theme, but again, re-emphasizing and resubstantiating a little bit of this friendship idea and how important it is to have friendships within the body of Christ outside of church services. You know, go, go out and play golf with somebody. 
that's, that likes golf. You know, I don't think you'll play golf with somebody that doesn't like golf. Don't ask me to go play golf unless you want me to caddy. I don't like golf that much. <laughs> but I'll drive the cart. I like driving the cart. <laughs> but uh, the point of it is, is that, you know, get outside of the church occasionally. You know, take some time and uh, uh, visit with one another. You know, oftentimes we think, oh, the minister, he does that. No, the minister just doesn't do that. The minister has certain responsibilities, of course, uh, to do certain things, but it's also up to you to minister. What's minister mean? Serve. It's up to you, too, to go visit somebody in the hospital, to send somebody a card, to say, hey, I'm thinking of you, or whatever it may be, or to remind somebody, you know what, I'm still praying about you, but I haven't heard. Are you still alive? How you doing? You know, kind of a thing. It's really important, brethren, that we understand that we ourselves are responsible to develop the relationships with each other, uh, as well as, of course, outside of the church. Chapter 2, Hebrews, it says here in verse 10, breaking into the context, for it became him, talking about Jesus, for whom are all things and by whom are all things, to bring many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings, for both he that sanctifies and they who are sanctified are all one, for which cause he's not ashamed to call them brothers, not ashamed to call them friends. Just read it in John 15. Not afraid to call them brothers or brethren, saying, I will declare... Uh, your name unto my brethren, talking about the Father, Christ declaring the Father's name to my brethren, in the midst of the church will I sing praise unto you, and again I will put trust in him, and again, behold, I and the children which God, uh, in this case, has given me. Friends, brethren, are crucial in surviving the life of a Christian. And friendship is a level of relationship that all of us truly do need to attempt to aspire to in our walk with Christ. And it even goes without saying, not only with people in the church, but people outside of the church as well, if you should be so blessed to have someone like that. Because as individuals outside of the church who may not share your faith begin to develop respect for you due to your characteristics due to what they perceive to be the value and character of your personality and learn to trust your judgment by virtue of the things they're going through in their life, and then they know when they come to you that they can get some good sound advice because you're pretty grounded in, in pragmatism. You're pretty grounded in a realistic approach toward life. Maybe at first they don't know because you're anchored in God's word, but as opportunity provides, you lay down some seeds. And who knows, over a year, two, ten years, twenty years, however long it takes, because we're all so different. But if you're consistent, relentless, and you're happy to be a Christian because you've got a friendship with Christ and understand the expectations upon you because of what you've benefited, because you are, I am a beneficiary of a great benefactor named Jesus, that why not can you 
sharing that, in sharing that information benefit others, even if they don't know at first, but then later on as they get to know you better, perhaps you reveal that. That's very important because it is uh, a means by which you can also continue to share Christ in, uh, in your life and maybe in the long term help somebody to develop a friendship with, uh, with him. Here in uh, Proverbs chapter 17, I want to bring your attention to what the Bible talks about as friends. It gives us some identity of what a friend is. Proverbs chapter 17 and in verse 17 we read, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. In other words, the fair-weathered friend doesn't exist in a real friendship. He's there all the time, good times and bad times, when you're up and when you're down. He's just not there because you've got a car. (laughs) He, he, He or she's just not there because you've got money or you've got a means of leveraging influence in a network of people that you want access to. And so individuals will exploit, you know, your network for gain, for personal gain for them. That's, that's not a true friend. That's what we call a user, you know, an opportunist. Those are not friends. Over here in, in chapter 27, just a few chapters over, chapter 27, and in verse 5, we read, Open rebuke is better than secret love. A faith, uh, faithful are the wounds of a friend. But the kisses of an enemy are deceitful, or the, or the Hebrew could mean frequent. The kisses of an enemy are frequent. And that goes to that point that I was just making, that if they're there just to use you for whatever, they will frequently uh, compliment you. You know, they'll be all over you, as they say, as uh, bees on honey, saying this, that, and the other thing about you. Uh, bottom line is, though, in this particular case, is that a true friend will not only stick with you during good times and bad times, but they will also be brutally honest with you <laughs> when you're doing something that you shouldn't be doing. And here's the challenge, that you, trusting their friendship, and this is what we find so much so in ministry, and it's sometimes very hard for us ministers because we see things in certain lives of individuals, congregants, and then we volunteer because we were asked, or sometimes because we're not asked, but by virtue of the behavior or what's going on in that person's life, we get involved. And so we have to become brutally honest, and some people like to say confront. I like to just say talk about what the issue is, and the one who's receiving the information gets offended and they leave or they get mad. Don't get mad at your friends. If they're being honest, be open. Be open and say, you know what? Talk on. What are you, what are you saying? Let me get this right. And if you don't really understand, ask them to rephrase it. One thing in sales we're always taught, to always rephrase. Are you telling me that the doorway of that storage tank is such and such? Is that what you're saying? You know, when I was in water treatment, I would always reiterate certain things for clarity because it was a very technical job. So you always had to reiterate, uh, making sure that all the details, as they would say, the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed, or the T's are dotted and the I's are crossed. 
<laughs> you don't want to do that. <laughs> but my point is, is that it's important that uh, we as recipients of information that may be uncomfortable are patient enough and mature enough to be able to handle that feedback. Because a good friend is courageous to do that in a nice way, in a diplomatic way, as tactful as possible, but as honest as possible. Honesty, truthfulness, transparency are the best ways to build friendships. No hidden things. Best ways to build friendships. Nothing that you don't see isn't real. Everything that you see is exactly what it is. That's the way it should be. And you do that and you build on it through truthfulness, honesty, and transparency. Real simple. And you express that out of courtesy and consideration for one another. And through those means and mechanisms, you're able then to mechanically, through the process of just natural osmosis, brethren, be able to develop relationships, friendships, that do indeed bring forth uh, fruit. Here in verse uh, 9, same chapter, going down just a few verses, ointment and perfume rejoice the heart, so does the sweetness of a man's friend by hearty counsel. Hearty counsel. That means, you know, you're, you're getting it on. You're, you're eyeball to eyeball. You're, you're talking about things in the weeds, not so much on the surface here. And you're having good, healthy uh, discussion about that. And so it is very, very important that we are indeed able to do that. Now, in Romans chapter 12, we're told, and this is almost like a little Bible study, but I want to take you through these step by step because I think it's important to see the mechanics and metrics of, of some of this. It's very important that we understand that we have certain restraints on ourselves if indeed friendships and relationships are intended to bloom. And in verse 17 of Romans 12, I break into the context with a, with a command, a, a mandate, a bit of advice from the Apostle Paul who says recompense, recompense and we covered this when we went through Romans, recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. That goes to that thing that I was talking about, honesty, truthfulness, and transparency. If it be possible, as much as lie in you, live peaceably with all men. And of course, that doesn't necessarily imply or provide an innuendo that you need to compromise your values in order to get uh, along with everybody. No, no, no. You don't want to appease, be a people pleaser just to uh, get along. You don't want to do that. Unfortunately, in some cases, um, and more times perhaps than we'd like to admit, sometimes the best way to live peaceably among others is just to part ways, not uh, get too close to that individual because that individual just uh, doesn't bring the best out in me and I'm having a hard time. And it's better to perhaps, you know, put up some guardrails and boundaries until you are able somehow to work through some of those inadequacies or idiosyncrasies about yourself that uh, are bothering you and preventing you from being able to be peaceful uh, and, and unified with that individual. Verse 19, he goes on here, he says, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves. Vengeance is not in our vocabulary. Avenge not yourselves. Give place to anger. Eliminate. That's what that means. To give place, it means eliminate anger. Don't let anger overcome you. And certainly don't obsess on anger. If you obsess on anger, guess what that turns into? You know what maturing, the maturing of obsessing anger develops? Bitterness. 
the root of bitterness. Go ahead, obsess on anger, and you'll just get more bitter and more set, and you become like concrete, set in your ways. <laughs> he goes on here and he says, for it is written, vengeance, vengeance is, uh, is mine. And he goes back to uh, quoting there Leviticus 19 and Deuteronomy 32. These are Old Testament scriptures that Paul is referencing, extrapolating them right out of the Old Testament because I always like to remind all of us, the Old Testament was the Bible of that early New Testament church. So it has a lot of reference, a lot of relativity, and it is very contemporary to us in these uh, New Testament times of the 21st century. So he goes on, vengeance is mine, verse 19, Romans 12, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy hungers, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him drink. Because in doing so, you're putting coals and fire on his head. Now, don't do it for that reason. Don't be compelled to do it for that reason. But that, that's essentially what Paul is saying here. It's best to stay above the fray, stay above reproach. One of my first recommendations in a heated situation, always, and I always lean on the one who's stronger in the faith, whether it be in a marital situation or what, that the one who's stronger needs to stay above reproach and attempt to try to be able to be somewhat of a mediating force in the situation. And that shouldn't be all that uh, hard to understand if indeed you're the stronger, and we do have mandates that state those of us who are stronger need to bear the burdens of the weaker. And so extending that outside of marriage or outside of, uh, you know, our certain home and family uh, relationships, extending it out into brethren in the church and even out into the world outside of the church, it stands uh, good reason and merits our consideration to be able to, uh, to do that, to be above reproach, to not contribute to the anger or feed the fires of dissent, as they would say. Be not overcome, verse 21, of evil. Be not overcome of evil but overcome the evil with good. There's another proverb. We didn't read it, but I always try to live by it all the time, and especially when I'm in a heated situation, I always try to remember, bing! A soft answer turns away wrath, Bill. Hold your tongue. Let them talk. Bing! <laughs> Hold the horses. Uh-huh, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> but... That's true. A soft answer turns away wrath. Even tone of voice, even your tone of voice, keeping a steady, eddy tone in your, in your uh, temperament and uh, how you respond to something. Don't get caught up in the drama. Don't get caught up in the emotion. Try to maintain a, a level approach toward these things if indeed you want to maintain that friendship. What I'm talking about here is self-control is very important because that's what we're saying here in chapter 12. Go back to verse 1. It says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies as living sacrifices, wholly acceptable, which is your reasonable. It's reasonable considering what was paid for us. That's just reasonable. And be not conformed to the world. Don't respond. Don't react. Don't allow the world to cause you to, to behave in the ways that so much in the world we see around us. But be you transformed, verse 2, by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given to me, to every man that's among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, 
but to think soberly according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. And what Paul is saying is here, be pragmatic about things in your life. Be realistic. And just because this individual might be angering you, don't think you're better than them. Look at the issues. Don't personalize things. Compartmentalize. Consider the issue. Always the topic at hand. Try to stay away from the personal uh, distraction of trying to get back at them. Trying to, well, they just cut at me, I'm going to cut at them. You know, Don't do that. Stay focused on the issue. And stay and do the best you can to uh, stay away from cutting at each other uh, in a personal fashion. He goes on here in verse um, 4, for as we have many members in one body, talking about the church now, and all the members have not the same office, not everybody is doing the same thing within the congregation, so we being many are one body in Christ, every one member, one of another, having then gifts differing, we all have different gifts, that doesn't make us better than one another, we're just different. I'm different than you. You're different than me. Does that make me better than you? Are you better than me? No. It just makes us different. That's all. That's all. And consequently, we all have different things or things that we may be involved with. Paul continues on here, gets a little specific with regards to some of the gifts that he's talking about within the church. He says, given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportions of faith, or ministry, that's service. Let us wait on our ministering, or he that teaches on teaching, or he that exhorts on exhortation. He that gives, let him do it with simplicity uh, or with liberality. He that rules with diligence, he that shows mercy with cheerfulness. And then he proceeds and he says, let the love, that's this agape, this affection, this friendship, this charity, this sacrificial outgoing concern that you might have for others, let that be without pretending. That's what Uh, dissimulation means, without pretending. In other words, don't be disingenuous. Be genuine. Be genuine. And if you're not genuine, keep pushing through it, soldier on until you are able to become genuine about it. I can't tell you sometimes, you know, and I'm sure I'd get some agreement with somebody that, you know what, there have been times where I just don't feel like going to church. I just don't want to go to church. I'm not up to it today. I'm not feeling well. Uh, or I'm in a bad mood, I'm crabby. Something happened during the week at work and I'm just, emotionally, I'm upset. I don't want to see any of you people. You know, I'm tired. But guess what? I soldier on, I push through, and more times uh, than not, I have to admit, I'm glad I came. Because when I walk in that door, I was one way, when I walk out, I'm a different way. Why? Because many times, it's by you. And it's something I think we need to understand. There's value, value in our congregations. There's value, each, each and every one of us that bring to the table a certain element, a dynamic, an ingredient to all of us. And sadly, for those of us who don't attend on a regular basis, because there is a movement within the church of God, I hate to admit it, that think organizations are worthless. Yet they still come to organized feast sites. But the reality of it is, and sadly, there are individuals that really minimize and, and uh, discredit and dismiss the uh, need for organizations and or even uh, fellowship and congregations. Congregations at this day and age, as the writer of Hebrews mentioned, are very, very important. Very important, brethren. It's 
for me, I can only speak for myself, but I think I would get some agreement from you, very satisfying to see people who believe like me. It's validating that I'm not nuts, for one. <laughs> but, it, but it's also reinforcing, it's reinforcing to help me keep, keep going, keep pushing, don't give up, even when it gets hard and the wind starts blowing really tough and the headwinds begin to increase, put the head down, make yourself smaller, push forward, and break those, you know, those winds that are counteracting you, whatever they may be. Figure out a strategy. Concentrate on the solution rather than moping about the, uh, the problem. He goes on here in verse 10. Be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love in honor. Look at this. Preferring one another. In other words, prefer your relationships and friendships in the church. Why? Because you're sharing the same mission in my life as I'm sharing yours. That's just the reality of it. And with that commonality among us, there should be not a favoritism, not a dismissal of others as them being less important, but if I have to prioritize to a certain extent for whatever reason that situations come up, there should be a preference that I'm willing to go over and above, although I should as well in all cases, but if something comes up where a decision has to be made, a preference needs to be expressed, that preference, that desire should be for the church. In ministry, in ministry, we ministers many times sacrifice for the church to the deference of our families. And we have to go somewhere even though we'd like to be at a family outing or with the family on some outing. And perhaps some of you have done certain things along those lines where a brother or a sister in God's church has made a demand on you and you had to do something that was inconvenient. And that, that's what we're talking about. It's service... Oh, anybody can serve when it's convenient. Oh, yeah, I've got the time. Yeah, I've got the time. I'll come over. No, I don't have the time, but I'll come over. You see, that's the difference. That's the difference. And that's so important that we try to aspire to these levels of selflessness of which we ourselves are indeed battling and certainly, uh, you know, fighting and struggling with in, in so many cases. Proverbs 18. Go back to Proverbs for a minute. Uh, chapter 18, uh, real quickly here. And in verse 24, I referenced this, but I wanted to reiterate it just to illustrate to you that it is in the Bible that if a man has friends, that he must show himself friendly. There is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And that's talking about a, uh, you know, a... Um, biological brother. There are friends that stick closer than a brother. I've never had a brother, never had a sister. I'm the only child. It was only me. It was all about me when I was born. <laughs> it was great. I had the most toys. <laughs> never had to compete with my brother and sister. Had nobody to annoy me. <laughs> I was always annoying my buddies. <laughs> but the bottom line is, is that uh, it's true. I had some great friends that were like brothers, that were like brothers. 
And uh, this scripture means a lot to me in many respects because not having a brother, my friends became my brothers. I played baseball with them or football. You know, we'd go out and get in trouble with one another. I won't bore you with the details, but the bottom line was is that we had good relationships. And there were a few guys that I would get closer to because we just got along better. And we, we got it off with each other. Other guys, we hung out with each other, but we didn't, you know, do the same kinds of things with the other guys with the inner circle. <laughs> but the reality of it is, brethren, that friends need, friendships that is, need to be developed, and certainly it is very important that uh, we are indeed committed to that. So it becomes somewhat important as well to recognize some pitfalls. I want to share just, just one major one here. In chapter 16 of the book, book of Proverbs, will kind of launch us into this. This is a pitfall, gossip. Chapter 16, verse 28, a forward man sows strife. A whisperer separates chief friends. I'm sad to admit, I've met some people that play people against each other. Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I, I've seen people where I've, I've watched them whisper in my ear in an attempt to get my attention and to exercise certain behaviors from me against them when, in fact, I don't know if that's true or not. But yet there are people that will manipulate and attempt to try to steer you for whatever reason they want achieved, meaning they're working an agenda. And there are people that are like that, and that's evil. It is evil. An ungodly man digs up evil, verse 27, and in his lips there as a burning fire. Chapter 17, verse 9, he that covers a transgression seeks love. I see one of the congregants, I see a brother, a friend in the church doing something. I don't go and tell everybody that, you know what? I saw so-and-so and they were doing this. Can you believe that? And, you, and then they say, no. Well, let's, tell, let's tell her. And they go on. And first thing you know, the whole church knows. Or whatever it may be. Maybe it's at work. Same thing. It doesn't even have to be in church. Could be at school. Could be among your friends. But what the Bible's saying is, no, 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 no. What you do is if it is that bad, if it is that bad and that disconcerting to you and you recognize it and it happened to be there at the right time in the right place to recognize what was done, you go to them in private and you tell them, hey, look, you've got to stop that. That's not right. And you do that because you sincerely are looking, uh, looking out for them. He says, seeks love, but he that repeats a matter, and that's what I just tried to illustrate, separates very friends. I'll give you a, a bit of homework, James chapter 3. James chapter 3. Read the whole chapter. James chapter 3 goes to this issue of gossip and controlling the tongue. We've got to control ourselves, self-control, and do the best we can to solve. Strategize on solutions, not on division. Strategize on how can we make things right as opposed to to serving or causing things to become more separated or divided. And notice what Paul says to the church at Galatia on how to do that. He says here in chapter 6 and verse 1, Brethren, and I strongly suggest that you 
put this in your mind as to a place to go whenever doubting on how to handle a situation when you are seeing something that I just described, where a brother might be found in a fault or even a, a person at work or a friend at school, wherever it may be. Chapter 6, verse 1, book of Galatians. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, restore such a one. But look at this. Not in condescending terminology, not in, a, in an approach where you're just badgering them and yelling at them and trying to beat them down, but in meekness, it says here. In meekness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear you one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man thinks himself to be something when he's nothing, he's deceiving himself. How many people have you come in contact with or in the course of your life have bumped up on who thought that, that they were pretty, pretty big, pretty big shots, when in fact they were so overrated, They, they, they didn't belong in the positions they were. I, I can give you a list of names of guys I worked with over the course of my water treatment career that I wondered and scratched my head saying, how in the world did they get in the positions they're in? But that's just life, right? We see that all the time. And what Paul is saying here, don't think yourself something when you're not, but let every man prove his own work. In other words, let your works tell the story. You don't need to be sounding your own bells. You don't need to be opining about how good you are, uh, you know, and complaining that you're not getting your just due. Let your works speak for themselves, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not with another for every man. At the end of the day, every man bears his own burdens. So, brethren, keep in mind, this, this is very important. Of course, uh, Proverbs 27, 17, I'm not going to turn there, but it references how if we are able to have friendships and relationships healthy enough whereby we've got lines of communication open and we can be open with each other along these lines and I can say something that's brutally honest to you or you can say something to me that's brutally honest to me and I can take that correction or you can take that correction, well, guess what? Iron sharpens iron. That's what Proverbs 27 is all about. You're going to miss an opportunity. You will miss an opportunity if you don't allow that honesty to sharpen your iron. That's what it's all about. So it's critical that we do take the time to afford that and concentrate, and I'm going to close with this scripture right here, Romans 14. Romans 14. And concentrate on this, brethren. Concentrate on this. This will assure us of building good, solid friendships, peaceful and unified congregations with healthy environments that are conducive to edification. And here it is, chapter 14, book of Romans. We read this before, but I'll remind all of us here on it. Let us not, therefore, judge one another anymore, but judge this, rather, that no man puts a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. Concentrate on being helpful. Concentrate on being kindly and good. Concentrate on how you can bring the best out of each other.